Hello, welcome to the podcast uh, or, or radio, internet radio show, Celibate Vegan Compadres. I'm Chandler Klebs, and I'm here with my co-host Monique, and we've been talking about the title for some time, and I really like the title, Celibate Vegan Compadres, because I looked up the word compadres in my dictionary here, and so I'm just going to type into my dictionary here, because it... It, it's defined as a close friend who accompanies his buddies in their activities. And like their synonyms, brother, bud, buddy, chum, crony, pal, sidekick, paisano. Interesting. <laughs> paisano, that's friend in Italian. I know that because I'm half Italian. Yeah, this is cool. And, and, and the word compadre sounds awfully Spanish, doesn't it? I, that's what I thought it was. Mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty sure it's either Spanish or Italian. And yet it's in the English dictionary because you know how English uh, copies from every other language, basically. But yeah. Yes, and Italian and Spanish are very closely related. There's a lot of vocab words that are the same. Oh, yes, definitely. And see, I feel like the word compadre just really, because, you know, we're pals, we're sidekicks, we're close friends who, our activity here is we're recording um, this show about these really important issues. What you know? We're like today. Um, should I should I go into our topic that we that we discussed that we were going to record on? Well, let me first mention our subtitle to the show, which I'm trying to get a vote in. It's like it's like you're like one party, I'm another party, and we're going for a third party here. <laughs> um, I think our subtitle. Maybe the listeners can make a comment. Our subtitle maybe CVV code, you know, like on the back of a credit card, the CVV code that you always have to give. And that stands for Celibate Vegan Voices. So I love the title Celibate Vegan Compadres because we're friends, buds, paisanos. Uh, but then underneath that, we want to clearly represent that it's the voices of all of us. Yeah. That's the CVV. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that I mean that's good. Yeah, I think I mean I have nothing against that. Yeah, because I want to keep like our, our official title as celibate vegan compadres, but celibate vegan voices could be a subtitle or almost synonymous. Like you know when when you're referring to either one, it's sort of like a pronoun almost. Like you refer you can refer to some by their name, but you can also refer as them, they, he, she. So so th- so they can kind of be similar if you know what I mean. Absolutely. And it's also a code because our lifestyle is like the code that we hope that everyone would like to achieve or at least understand it from our point of view, CBB code. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Why don't you go on with your topic, our topic? Yeah, it's our topic here. Yeah, see, because we were going to talk about – some of the interesting upsides and downsides of abstinence-only education. Because, mm-hmm. like, you know how there's um, abstinence-only education that goes on in America, and yet it's a little bit weird because, from how I understand it, it's highly religiously based, and it's like a basically a don't-have-sex-before-marriage sort of a thing. Yeah. And... And and see now I've never actually been in actual high school to experience one of these absence only education classes, but I'll tell you 
I got enough of that kind of teaching in church early in my life. And so it's kind of interesting because there are two competing sides. There's two competing views. There's the religious culture, which tends to want to promote absence till marriage. But then there's the other sort of more secular culture who wants comprehensive sex education where they may make a passing mention of abstinence, but what they really want to do is sell birth control and 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 all the and all this uh, other stuff about sexuality and and you know and try to include homosexuality and other stuff like oral sex as part of sexuality, as you know, Monique. Like mm-hmm. so, so there's two different worlds we live in. Like there's two cultures of people living in America, and I'm sure this applies to other countries too, where they have different views on sexuality. Like, and of course, I mean, in the future we may even be able to get other people on our show with these perspectives. But basically, one type of view is that like sex is some kind of thing designed by God. For marriage and it's only between a man and a woman and there and so there's that kind of an attitude there where it's tied in strongly with their worldview but then there's other people who they have this view that well everybody should just be able to have sex with whoever they want it no it doesn't matter what what gender age species whatever you know so like there's a there's a huge difference between the mindset of of these two groups. You get what I'm saying? Absolutely. And so what's interesting, Monique, is that like everybody seems to be wanting to take one of those sides, I've noticed. Like they either want to side with the the absence till marriage and traditional marriage as they sometimes call it. And this is common with conservatives, Republicans, you know. But then there's mm-hmm. the other people who are who are just like Oh, let's just let's just call everything sex and everything life is about sex and that you know what I mean? And obviously, um someone like me, as you probably would guess, disagrees with both views. <laughs> and me too, and that's made it very difficult in life. Uh as you had previously mentioned to me, people have asked what's 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 up with you? Are you gay? Well, the same things like happened over here. I mean, if you want to abstain and I'm not even talking about till marriage people in today's day and age, if, um, especially if they're not like religious, they'll think that you may be gay. I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous. Like whoever said that abstaining from intercourse makes one gay. Yeah, that's kind of weird. I mean, I, I in fact it's it's kind of the opposite almost. I mean, it's it, it's kind of, it's kind of strange because I've you know for some reason the whole the whole legalization of gay marriage has been a very hot button political issue in recent years. But I always found it really quite silly. I've always wondered what is the deal, and it's always between people being straight or gay. Um, but as you know, I mean, it's not like anyone actually mentions asexuality very commonly or, or you know, the idea of being celibate for life. And if you do mention it, people laugh at you. It, <laughs> and so it is difficult as 
as someone who's not just asexual but actually thinks that celibacy is the only solution that we have to many problems in our world, it doesn't come across very well to hormonal people who <laughs> who want to have sex. And so this is our challenge, Monique. At the very least, we can raise awareness about asexuality and how and our position on these things. So I think that's a good place to start. And so, I mean, I could either start with what I have to say or I could let you start. Well, go ahead. I've taken the lead for a lot of shows, so I'm going to let you do a lot of the talking, and I'll, I'll chime in when I feel. All right. Sounds really good, Monique. Okay, so early in my life, I grew up in a, a variety of Protestant Christian churches of different denominations. But one thing they all seemed to have in common was uh, an agenda to make sure that teenagers didn't have sex until they were married, which was weird because I got sick of hearing about it because, you know, you know, I I wasn't even interested in sex really, except that I heard about it all the time, and so then I got to thinking about it because I heard it from them. And I almost wondered if by them talking about sex all the time in church that it actually made these teenagers more sexual because it brought it to their mind or something. But here's what I didn't understand. What they were teach there are people you may know of like James Dobson or Josh McDowell. There's certain people who have this purity culture, certain people who teach weird things, like for example, that if you have sex before marriage, you'll get a sexually transmitted disease. But if you have sex within marriage, you won't. Uh, I mean, that sounds weird, but I've actually seen people say things to that effect, like that sexually transmitted diseases are like a punishment because you disobeyed God's will or something, you know. So there seems to be some kind of weird religious superstition involved in it, but there's just one thing that they're like I came to later think, well, wait a minute, there are still some problems when when you were considering sexuality that apply equally whether you're married or unmarried, because in either case, when people are having having sex, there is the possibility of sexually transmitted diseases, and of course there's the uh, the thing about unwanted pregnancy, which people sometimes mention, and. Like, yeah, I spent, as you know, Monique, um, not to get too off topic, but you know, I spent quite some time in the abortion debate for a few years, and I realized something. Almost every, uh, most of the people I talked to believed that abortion was the result of unmarried people having sex. But I came to find out married people are, ha are having sex and having abortions because they don't want to raise these children. And so... I came to see more and more that there was no real difference in the lifestyle between married people having sex and unmarried people having sex because they still face the same problems. They have the unwanted pregnancy, often leading it to abortion. They have sex transmitted diseases. And furthermore, there seems to be something about, um, about sexuality that gets people very emotionally attached to each other. And that seems to be a little bit dangerous because it's almost like I, I've heard that it bonds people together in some emotional way. So then 
after these people are divorced or or something goes wrong with that relationship, then they're even more they're even more of a mess because they're connected to this person who's left their life. And so the more I read different perspectives about this whole sexuality thing, the less of a good idea it seemed to be, even if you were married. And so I start I started thinking, you know what? Maybe I'll just stay celibate even when I'm married. I you know I said stuff like that when I was a teenager, but you know people laugh at that. And because there seems to be this idea, well, that that's what marriage is about is having sex. And I'm like, huh? Well, that if that's all it is, then the why do people get married when they're already having sex? So marriage, if it means anything, there has to be something to marriage that's not sex. Does that make sense? What do you think, Monique? Are you there? I don't hear you anymore. Yes, I had you I had myself on mute. Yes. Okay, yeah. I, and now I shall talk. Um yeah, everything that you're saying is right on. Uh just a, a little bit interjection what is though the difference between having intercourse in marriage and um not being married because there are a lot of similarities you're really correct and there's a lot of things that can go wrong um or right i mean if you're trying to conceive whatever like you can conceive in or out of marriage um i would have to say from an idealistic point of view and or spiritual that if you're married you're you know verbally publicly governmentally if you would that's not a word but um i made it uh you're you're saying we're committed and um there's there's something to be said for that like you know the security of the relationship everyone like sees that you're together like it's like a contract so then if you do conceive i think that it's um probably better for a child because like their parents who are going to raise them they're you know they're they're contracted in the eyes of the public and you know god or however you want to say well, oneness whatever whereas if you're not then it's it's much easier to to just get out of it now though i will say it depends on how long you've been together with the person too because that's where the common law comes into play for some states. I think New Jersey might be seven years if you're living with the person and you automatically become their spouse by law. Don't quote me on that, but there are different like states that have different laws. But hey, you could be living with the person and you can remain celibate as well. I've, um, for financial insecurity, like, um, reasons. Uh, I was with my fiance in a celibate relationship and it didn't start out that we wanted to live with one another, but things got mixed up where we had to like leave both of our um, apartments and we just like went together in one, but we, we were celibate the whole time. Um, but anyway, getting back to the negatives, as you were saying, sure, people can absolutely get a disease within um a marriage like it's it's not likely like that you're going to 
get one of these things like syphilis or whatnot, unless your partner, of course, is running around or didn't or, or previous to what, what previously was and did not tell you, which I believe is unlawful. Um, but like there's little things that you can get um, that really wouldn't require someone from the marriage to be promiscuous and therefore give you um, give you a disease. You could, you know, it's more likely for you to possibly get a, a, a yeast infection. Um, there's other things like um, if you are, if there's too like um, too much trauma or whatnot and, I believe intercourse there there is some sort of trauma going on there because it's it's a penetration. So I mean this is not like smooth sailing here. I don't care what people say. I mean it just doesn't like it, it's it's not like a hose that goes into a hole and it, it you know that's smooth inside like there's a lot going on in the female anatomy so you can't say that there's no trauma because that's why most females bleed, so I hear, the first time um, they have intercourse. So you can get like a cyst up there, and I'm sure there's other complications as well that come from intercourse. And, and, and it doesn't matter if you're unmarried or married. So, and as far as the emotional bond is concerned, I've heard that as well. I feel that an emotional bond can come from any level of being intimate. So that would probably be the ultimate. So I, I think that you have reason to be concerned because of the divorce rate in this country and in the world that it's like hard to move on after you've gotten divorced and had that with that person because yeah, there's like, there is that emptiness. And I think that there's probably, there must be a resentment. I think more even from the female because she is the one that like has, you know, allowed herself to, um, had, you know, somebody inside, not the other way around. And that, that must be really, um, that's like very vulnerable. You know, I do not feel that it's so vulnerable for the a male to have like an, an exterior, um, you know, part, uh, you know, going into something, but absolutely for the female, I, I it's, it's truly vulnerable. Um, and so when you talked about celibate marriage, this is something that I have considered for, let me think how many years now, um, I'd say since 2001. And yes, I was told that uh, I'm thinking the wrong way. And um, when you get married, you're supposed to have intercourse. That's what marriage is about. It, there was even a doctor that I didn't, I, I happened to see him at a vegan potluck. And I told him my feelings about a celibate marriage. And he said, well, you'll probably never be married. I was so upset when he said that, you know, because here he is a medical doctor telling this to me, you know, at an event where I wanted to, you know, feel good because it was a vegan Thanksgiving potluck. We just started talking about it. And I don't really remember how the subject came up, but, um, 
that was very um, downing for me because I, for for a doctor to say that, and he shouldn't have said that. And so, I I uh, I did find some. Well, as I was saying, my um, former fiance, he was all about the abstinence till marriage, and he was okay to have a celibate marriage, but there were times where he would um, think, well, maybe he does want to have intercourse in marriage, which often bothered me because I said, but, you know, we agreed upon this. Um, so it's, uh, it, anyway, that, that's, a, that's a bit of a different topic. Um, but I hope that I've clarified my, my points of view in, um, in stating your case as far as what I do believe true of what you say and then like the other aspects because you say well what's the difference between being married and unmarried and there are some differences but there are a lot of things that are not different yeah well yeah you said some important things I'd like to respond to Monique first of all there does seem to be an asymmetry between the possible pain and health risks that come on the woman through sexual intercourse compared to the man the woman's more likely to get some sort of disease or some kind of health complication from being penetrated like that. And so it's like from the principle of ahimsa or nonviolence, it's like having intercourse with a woman would be a violent act because it causes pain. It causes, it causes problems. And that's what's a little bit bizarre about it is it, that's how I came to see sex as an expression of hatred rather than love, which mm-hmm. which I know people will disagree with it, but that's how I see it. And also, there's something else to think about. Like, for example, let's say you have people who are, you know, dating or whatever for five years, and then, and they're having sex, and, and then the, and then the man just dumps the woman quite often pregnant, you know, and that that happens a lot. But then there's something else that can happen. People can be married for five years and have sex, and then the same thing can happen with a divorce and he can just leave. And so it's sort of like there's no way to make these men keep their promises. It's like unless you have the legal force, which requires a lot of money, you can't make those men fulfill their promises and so what we're dealing with is women end up in terrible situations because these men who will lie and tell them anything they want just to get them to have sex with them. And then when the woman mm-hmm. becomes inconvenient or any children mm-hmm. conceived become inconvenient, then they just dump them. Which what people don't seem to realize about that, Monique, is that that right there is probably at least a quarter of what causes abortion right there. Mhm. Absolutely. Well, one thing though, remember, in a court of law, if you have a child, you're supposed to be giving child support, and if you're not, you're breaking the law. Nonetheless, uh, oh, and then um now if you're married, then you would get alimony, but if you're not, you're not going to get alimony. So there's that difference. And why does money make sense? Because money is what supports the person, you know, otherwise they're going to be struggling more and have to get, you know, more and more jobs and no time for kids and kids like can't, you know, get this and that. Um, 
But money is not everything at the same time because it does not constitute the loss of, a, you know, another person by your side. I mean, that's yeah. really what it's about. It's about a partnership, not like here, I'll give you some money every month. Have a, you know, good luck. Yeah, there, I get <laughs> That's what, what it turns out to. There's something more to it than money. And so that in mm-hmm. that sense, because, because there's been a divorce or breakup or whatever, then these children don't have the, the both parents that might benefit them to have. And it's kind of a weird thing because, at, you know, it's true that sometimes the, the man has to pay child support or alimony. But guess what? My father didn't, he, and no one made him. Because he, really? Yeah, he moved off to Minnesota, and my mom didn't have any money to pay the lawyer anymore. So, hmm. and, and so it's just it's one of those things where the men can just leave the, their, the, these women and the children that these men help conceive along with that woman, they can just leave them in the dumps. And that woman and ch- child can die, and the man goes on to go victimize other people. And mm-hmm. so it's a really messed up system. And so I've, I've looked at these issues, and I've noticed something very bizarre, Monique. You'll notice, and this, co- this is very common with religious people, but also other people, is they place all this responsibility on the woman, like, oh, it's the woman's fault, you know, um, whatever happens to her sexually. It's, it's her fault. It, 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 they blame rape victims. You know, people do this sick stuff that's logically insane and just quite cruel. And, but really, I do see most of these problems as being the result of these selfish men who don't care who they hurt. And I completely agree. When you say selfish, all stemming from, it mainly stems from the sex. You, like, wonder, why don't they see in their mind, like, how... Um, how detrimental having intercourse with a woman could be. Why don't they see all that? You know, I've often thought that men should speak to a gynecologist before they even decide, you know, before before either decides to engage in intercourse if they're going to, because... It is a biological act, first and foremost. You can create a child, and if you can't create a child for some reason, you know, if you know if you've gone through menopause or you're just, you know, you're not fertile or whatever, it's it's still biological because when you know something foreign enters another's body, well, there's going to be some sort of chemical reaction or whatnot. So. Uh, people that just like say, oh yeah, you know, I slept with him and all this movie and stuff. And you're like, it's so much more complicated. And I don't understand why people don't even go through the, the right way about it. I know that my parents, um, before they got married, my mother, she saw, a doctor and I don't I think that she's far and few between I think people like start doing it and then like if something goes wrong then they'll see a doctor or whatnot do you agree with me on this 
this is not something simple. This is a biological act. Yeah, I mean, it's a serious matter because you're dealing with something that's almost as dangerous as a lot of surgeries are. Having sex it can be dangerous, and there's all these people who will just have sex with people, and these people, their health isn't checked. They're, they're not checked for sex-transmitted diseases. All these, so all sorts of dangerous can, stuff can happen because it's like people just aren't aware that this is a dangerous matter. And it's sort of, it's almost like letting people have sex um, with their, all this danger is like giving a bunch of five-year-olds driver's licenses and let them, letting them drive cars. Well, I completely agree with you. And it may not sound very romantic, but <laughs> I've, I've often thought that if you are going to engage in intercourse because of all the things that can go wrong. And I'm talking about the unmarried people mainly that want to do this, which I don't agree with, but I'm saying people are. So I feel that whenever you're doing this, that you both should be like signing something, <laughs> a written agreement, because you never know. There's too many cases where um, usually it's a female, could be a male, but a female will say, well, he sexually assaulted me. Like, I didn't want to go that far. I said no, and he kept going. And then the whole court thing is, well, you let him into your room. You were doing that, you know, and then it's just, but if you actually sat down with the person and said, you know, I really love you or, um, you know, I, I hate to say it because this is not me, but let's get down. You know, it's like, okay, whip out the contract and say, you know, you're, you're like willing to do this and this because otherwise it's people, people cannot really prove many times that somebody has been assaulted, you know, or harassed for that. They can't prove that somebody has been harassed, let alone assaulted. So um, I've, I've often thought about that, like to have contracts. Now, would you have contracts in marriage if you're deciding to do this? Um, yeah, yeah. Yes, actually, yes, yes. I mean, really, it is something that, it, again, I'm going to go stick to the topic. It's here. It's biological. It's emotional. It's physical. It's psychological. Yes. I mean, I think that there should be a book <laughs> and you should sign it if you decide that, you know, you're going to on this night, you know, have this as part of your marriage. People would people would scream in laughter at this or whatnot, or they would like scream and anger at me but i i do think that it's it's very necessary absolutely yeah, see i agree with you monique and here's the thing about it is that think about like when somebody applies for a job or tries to get a driver's license or or even registers and and votes in an election politically there's a process that these people have to go through there's a filter that they have to go through you know um, whereas it seems like people can people have sex so quickly when there's no, there's nothing barring them there's nothing they have to do and so they just have sex with one person and then run off and have sex with the next person and so it's like it's the most dangerous thing because you you there's no standards in place to make sure that people are taken care of and come on seriously there's things that have to be considered. With all the health problems that can happen to the woman, 
there needs to be in these contracts some kind of a thing where the man has to pay her medical bills. <laughs> he has to. Because if, if he's causing the disease by having intercourse with her, then <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. That's uh, reminding me of a movie that's out that uh, Merle Streep is in, which you didn't know who Merle Streep is. I'm going to make you do a test after this. You're going to have to Google her. Google her now. She's an Oscar award-winning actor, and she's in a movie, something Florence. I don't know the exact title, but based on a true story, um, this woman, Florence is her middle name. She took on her middle name. She was a child uh, prodigy as far as piano playing, and her her uh, father was very wealthy, a landowner and a lawyer, and she wanted to go abroad and study music, and he didn't want to pay the bill. This was back in the late 1800s. So she was upset, and to get revenge, she married a doctor. And I'm like, I'm reading on, and I'm like, okay, so then she was probably taken care of, and she was able to do her music. No, guess what happened? The doctor gave her her syphilis. (laughs) So she divorced him. And then she went off to New York and she was living in poverty. And then her, um, her father passed and left her an inheritance. And also her mother came up there and helped her. And then the mother like passed away and she got more of an inheritance. And anyway, she, she became a vocalist, but I think she wasn't a very good vocalist, but she was a wealthy vocalist. And she, she had a, uh, an organization that she, Um, developed and whatnot, but this is all to say, look at what happened to her. You know, she was very wealthy. She would have continued to have been wealthy if she had stayed at home, but she loved the music, so she got out of her family situation, got married. Wrong thing to do, you know, you sometimes you think, oh, I'm going to get married and I'm going to get out of this situation and it could be worse. You know, you have to do things for the right reasons, I believe. And this doctor gives her syphilis. And now she can't even really pursue her music very much because she's trying to take care of herself and she's in poverty. Yeah. This all was related to intercourse. <laughs> yeah, so basically, her life is ruined by intercourse. Yes, and if her parents hadn't passed along the inheritance, she'd probably be in poverty for the rest of her life. Yeah, see, that's just it. That just shows you how it can ruin somebody's life, and it's it's just not a safe thing. You know, it's sort of like sports, Monique. Okay, you know how Americans love sports for some reason. I don't. Um, Mm -hmm. but think about it. Somebody can be some baseball or football player and they can, and you know, they can be making a lot of money. They can be famous. People practically worship them, you know, when they're a sports player, I've noticed, but they can have a sports injury. They could have a sports injury that leaves them crippled for life and ruins the rest of their life. So then you have to wonder, is it worth it? Is it worth giving up everything that matters to you for the sake of some profession that may bring you fame and it may bring you money, but do you have anything more important in your life than fame and money? 
And that's the question that I think people need to ask themselves before they play sports or have sex or go skydiving. <laughs> well, I completely agree on all three. And interestingly enough, I've heard people say that sex is a sport. Have you ever heard of that? Oh, uh, <laughs> I haven't really heard that one, but somehow I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah, well, hunting is a sport. How could that be? And you know how we feel about that, Monique, as vegans. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, um, recreational sex, have you ever heard of that expression? I've heard that expression, and I've thought, how could something that sounds so gross and dangerous and unpleasant, unpleasant possibly be categorized as recreation? Right. Have you ever heard of the expression recreational drug use? I've heard that expression, too. <laughs> there you go. Do you see what I'm trying to say here? Yeah. Things that shouldn't be a recreation, things that could, like, have dire consequences yeah. are <laughs> I mean, you can, a recreation to some. I mean, seriously, Monique, you can have... You could have recreational homicide, you could have recreational suicide, you can have recreational rape. You can just add the word recreational before any awful thing, and somehow it doesn't fit. It's like a contradiction in terms, because even if, it, even if it's fun for, for you to kill someone, I, I don't know what kind of person, you know, it's fun, but there are people like that, I'm sure. It's not really fun for the person who you're killing, so it's not recreation for them, so I think we need to drop the recreation from that. <laughs> Absolutely. I also want to mention, since we're on the topic of sport, and I said that which you never heard of, sex is a sport. Uh, I'm sure you've come across scenes in films where cut to the bedroom and the guy is on top of the woman and you're hearing the sound effects of the bed like a you know well to me that's always made me cringe you know because the woman is like on the receiving end of this you know baboonish act if you would <laughs> I hate that so much and it depends on the film that you're seeing sometimes it goes there because it's showing how the women is, woman is being um, taken advantage of or whatnot. Like I, I remember in Forrest Gump, I don't think they showed the bed, but they, they you certainly heard the sound effects. Did you ever see Forrest Gump? Yeah, I saw that movie, and that was really weird. Um, because I, what I remember about that movie was that Jenny was having sex with all these different people um, throughout that movie, and. And, you know, obviously Forrest had been her best friend, and he cared about her more than all these other people. And it was just so sad because the implication in the movie is that she got some kind of a virus, and then she died from that, which mm -hmm. was probably a sexually transmitted disease. So now it's great that she ended up marrying Forrest in the end, and then he raised her son. That's nice, but... She died from a sexually transmitted disease is what the movie heavily implied. And that had an effect on me realizing that because it's like, man, what a tragedy. 
I was actually referring to the other part, though. There's another part that's not as tragic, but tragic to me, where Forrest's mother wanted um, Forrest to be in a certain school or stay in the school or something had happened, something. And she, it's implicated that she slept with whoever was, in charge of the school, the principal, maybe. Do you remember that scene? Oh, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, that, yeah, definitely. That was near the beginning of the movie. And Forrest was hearing the noises of... That's what I mean, Chandler. And to me, that's... Yeah, he heard noises of his mother having sex with the principal of that school. She was doing that so that Forrest could be in the public school. And then I remember that guy came out and he said... Uh, boy, your mother sure do care about your schooling, son. And then Forrest just made the noises that he had been hearing at the guy. <laughs> the guy ran off, <laughs> you know, because that was what Forrest heard. And and that that's, in a way, Monique, that's what people like you and I hear. We just hear the gross noises of such a thing that seems weird to us and foreign. Absolutely. And um, it just seems so manipulative, and I, I just can't stand it. Well, I'll, I'll tell you something that happened. This was many years ago. I had written a play, and um, I had shared it with a vice principal at a school that I was um, filling in at, and he invited me over to discuss my play. And he was all into Russian culture. He had the goblets and whatnot. And he gave me like a little bit of vodka, which I had maybe a little bit of a sip. I don't like vodka, but I did it. I, and um, he kept trying to give me more. And I'm like, no. Well, at the end, he said, do you want to like stay, you know, because I don't know, it got late. It wasn't that late, maybe nine or 10. Do you want to stay over? And I'm thinking to myself, what is this person trying to do here? I think that he was probably trying to get me loosened up so that he could, you know, <laughs> and, have his way or whatnot. And, and I left. Yeah, see, here's the But deal. I mean, he, yeah. he, he, that, how manipulative, manipulative is that? And then... Many, many years later, I saw that same year that that happened, he was accused of sexually harassing a student. And now I go online and I see he's married to a principal of a Catholic school. And it gets me so angry to know that he possibly, you know, was looking for, you know, to manipulate me like that. That makes me very upset. It makes me, um, how do I feel about that? It makes me feel violated, just knowing his possible intentions. Yeah, and you know, Monique, I'm glad you brought that up because here's the deal. The alcohol plays such a big role in this because if somebody drinks enough alcohol, they basically turn into a brain-dead zombie that can be manipulated into doing anything, even if it's against their ethics, something that they wouldn't do when they're in their you know, right mind or whatever. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. This is what 
it seems Bill Cosby may have done too. Not with just putting the pills in the drink, but trying to like loosen them up, you know, have more drinks. And I believe he joked about it or if he didn't joke about it, there's been plenty of male comedians. They don't really do it now because it's frowned upon, but, um, I heard many male comedians in the past, like the old ones, making light of, you know, oh, I want to get laid tonight. Let's get the girl drunk. Like, this was common, like, fun, fun stuff in a comedy club or whatnot. And most people's eyes, they didn't blink twice. Now they do. Um, But I I was always upset when I heard that because it's just so manipulative and violating. Even if nothing you know, happens, it's still just the thought behind it. Yeah, and you know, Monique, here, I've been around drunk people. Okay, now, th- th- you may find this a little bit weird, and I hope this isn't off topic, but I've been around drunk people um, a few major times in my life, and I'll tell you, I was kind of scared. Like, okay, like, the, the first time was it, was, it was a little bit after I joined the Navy. Okay, because I was in the delayed entry program for the U.S. Navy. That's a whole other story in and of itself about how I ended up joining the Navy and how I got discharged. Um, but Well, maybe I know that a lot of Christian uh, folks, it sounds like you're in the conservative belt, they do go into the military. So I'm wondering if that had anything to do with that choice. But continue. Yeah, well, here's the deal, though. Okay, so... If I remember correctly, this was, it was probably November or December, something close to that in 2007, probably, because I I left um, for for boot camp in February of 2008, but this was a few months before that. And one of the other guys in the delayed entry program, well, he invited me over to a party at his apartment. And you know, I, I I didn't know him all that well, but he was he was one of one of the guys um, in the delayed entry program that I knew, and some and I, I knew some other people in, from that program were also going to be there, but I thought it was just going to be us. I didn't know that there was going to be a lot more people there than than I had suspected, and that they were all bringing alcohol. I so I didn't know what I was getting myself into, Monique. You have to understand. And you know, and I and I I brought a CD along that had you know some dance music and and cool stuff like that too, but so what ended up happening is I'm there, and everyone else is drinking alcohol, and I and I asked the guy if I can um, if I can play my CD and dance because um, that that's that's my idea of what a party is. <laughs> so there I am dancing to these songs that I'd burned onto a CD. And I feel someone pull my pants down behind me. And uh, I, I'll tell you, I was spooked at that moment. I was really spooked, and I didn't know who or what it was behind me doing that. But I turned around and slapped whatever it was that, that did that, and apparently I slapped that girl right in the face that had been pulling my shorts down. Because... <laughs> I do not take kindly to that type of thing. That really spooked me out. And then she slapped me and 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 I I did apologize to her for 
for slapping her because that's so against my character and I didn't I regretted it but I told Brady I think I better leave um well yeah it, whatever well wait a minute in it was your self defense it was your instinct you were not striking out at her as a female or even a male, it was an instinct that happened. Yeah, it was. I was just trying to protect myself. I didn't even, a defense. Didn't even know. Yes. Oh so, yeah, but but still, I still apologize because I just sure. Oh, I, I just don't. I just, I just don't like hurting anybody. And I and I and I. No. I had known better not to go to that party in the first place. I really wish I had known better. Um, but then I I left, and guess what? I had to walk home because everyone else is drunk. But good good thing is it was only a few miles, so it was no big problem because it was in Lee Summit. But I walked home at, um, late at night uh, all the way home to escape from the party full of drunk people where someone tried to pull my pants down. And so that's the kind of – I've seen the kinds of weird behavior. I've seen the way people talk when they're drunk. I've seen the, the, way, the things people do when they're drunk, and it terrifies me, and that's one of the reasons that I – have always been against alcohol and I've always refused alcohol whenever anyone's tried to offer it to me because I don't know what, I, I just can't imagine. I know I would do something that I regret for the rest of my life if I consumed alcohol. Well, I'm outside, so you probably heard a car going by. That was the sound of affirmation. I understand and I often, I, I don't, I don't really drink. I'm going to say really because I don't want you to think that I won't have a drop. My mother, she, um, she's of the Italian culture, so she'll give me like a little bit like when I'm here, a little. But when I'm by myself, when I'm living life, like I don't have it. And if it ever comes around, it's usually at like a screening, um, a professional kind of a thing. And I'm only going to have like a sip or two because – I don't even, um, I don't like any feeling whatsoever of feeling what they call buzzed. Like I want to be in control at all times. And I, yeah. And, and when like a, a male offers it to me, especially like, no, because I never, I, I just don't, I just don't trust it. Um, and also you know, just the driving factor. If you're at an occasion or whatnot, you don't know how long you're going to stay. And even if you do stay like a long time for those few sips to like, um, to, you know, digest in the body, metabolize, it's like, at this point, I'm a lightweight because I don't do it. And, you know, I wouldn't want something to happen in the car, God forbid. So, I'm with you on that. I don't accept drinks from people. Yeah. See, that's the thing, Monique, is it's 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 one of those dangerous things, you know, because it's isn't it interesting, Monique, that for a lot of medication that people take, you have to get a prescription. You have to have a doctor give you a prescription. You have to there's a standard by which you have to go through with for even a even a medication for something. But then people can self-medicate themselves with alcohol, and the only thing that alcohol really does is it seems to it seems to screw around with their brain in some way, where they're less conscious of what they're doing. I've noticed. 
Like they're not as aware of what's really going on around them. And I've always been a person who I'm like, I want to know what I'm doing because I, yeah, there's that feeling like if I like it, it puts somebody into a sleep where they're drowsy almost, and they're and they're saying things, doing things, they know what they're doing, and it's terrifying because then who is that person? It's not the same person anymore. Yeah, I can really only trust myself, um, and so yeah, I I really only trust myself and pretty much my mother to, you know, and it, you know, I mean, I mostly my mother, but I trust me, and so yeah, I I don't want to become like some sort of a different person for someone to manipulate. I will say about the self-medication, um, you know, do you feel that, do you feel that if someone was to have a few sips, like, every day or every other day, if they thought that that was good for their, their health, because there have been some studies, do you feel that that should be really prescribed, though, in that case? I mean, here's the thing. I agree with you if you're going to have more than um, a few sips or whatnot, you know, because now it's like your your blood alcohol level is rising. Um, most people do have more than a few sips. So I, I do agree with you on the prescription thing, but at the same time, if you're going to have it in such a low dose, if you would, if we're making this like medical, do you think that you should have to have a prescription for that because that's going to, I mean, I don't know, like medical marijuana, you need a prescription for that. Like if I wanted to get the leaves to green juice, not to heat up, if you heat it up, that's when you get the THC. If you don't heat it up, then it's like spinach juice. You're getting proteins and whatever like benefits and it's supposed to be very good I saw one woman, she was practically on her deathbed, and her doctor suggested that she juice the um, cannabis leaves, and she did, and she became healthy again. So, I mean, I, I, would, I would like to have the benefits of something that's not a narcotic and use it in such a way, but in order for me to even get those leaves, not in the drug form, but just to have the leaves, I would have to have a medical certificate. So, yeah. So yeah, maybe you do need like a medical certificate, even to have like a few sips of alcohol. I'm just putting it all out there. Yeah, and, and I yeah, I definitely think that's a discussion worth having. In fact, um, I know that a few of my friends who I run the other podcasts with are for the legalization of cannabis. Um, and, and I, you know, I'm no expert on the subject for, for sure, but I do think there needs to be a consistency between certain things because uh, as far as we, I mean we know cigarettes are harmful to health when we know that there is harm done from alcohol um, but like I don't know if cannabis is actually harmful to people I don't know if it's actually harmful and so I think it needs to be considered whether something is a dangerous thing 
whether it's a dangerous drug. Like something may not be illegal, but it still might be bad for you. Like say poison ivy. Try to drink some poison ivy. See how long you live. You know, I mean, it's like. So I think I always think about things in terms of is this good or, or bad for people? And I and I do wish that to any extent laws and regulations we have about it would at least be consistently and uh, consistent and well thought out. Because as you know, there was a time when alcohol was illegal. And apparently a long time ago, and then it was legalized. But why was that? It, are we given a reason for that? I don't know much about that prohibition error, except for the fact that there was a lot of bootlegging happening and a lot of money being made. And that's really how the the mob started in this country, the Italian mob. That's how that they were doing it. And that's how they got into bars and nightclubs and whatnot. There are many, many years that you couldn't own a restaurant or a nightclub or casino in a lot of areas unless you had ties to the mob, which is why um, I'll keep it short about politics, but Donald Trump, uh, I mean, there's, there's like point zero 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 one percent chance that he did not have an affiliation with the mob in order to have had casinos in Atlantic City and whatnot you know and just to deal with that business in general like the people that come in there he had to have those connections and probably still has them and that's that's pretty concerning so but I don't know why they took away um alcohol uh the reason for that i would have to look that up yeah i'm sure because i know i don't really know the history of it either but it is weird how notice how laws change about topics and people's attitudes change about those topics but it's kind of a weird thing because like take for example racism and slavery for example now we know that some like sometime like after the civil war that Slavery of the black people was was ended in America, but they were still not treated as anywhere close to being equal to whites. Whites were still terribly mean to them for some time. Um, and in recent times, like the time we're living in compared to one or 200 years ago, is a lot better for black people, if you know what I'm saying, because now they're treated more like equals, and yet there are still racist people out there. So we have seen a decline in that specific form of racism where the whites are hating the blacks. So yes, racism still exists, but it has diminished. And think about it, Monique. Why has it diminished, do you suppose? Well, because black people now have many of the same opportunities as Caucasian people. Um, and, you know, they're integrated with schools and whatnot, and also the generations of the past that um, promoted the racism, you know, they're, they're dying off. But that's still not to say that blacks have all the same opportunities as Caucasian, because, you know, uh, many have been, they're, they're more in poverty and they're more... Um, like of a different um, like mindset if you would having been suppressed they may think well you know 
I can just stay in this group. I'm comfortable with this group. So that promotes racism there, like the poverty and whatnot. But they absolutely, I mean, there's some more affluent black people than Caucasian people. There's no doubt about that. Did I answer the question? Yeah. And see, here's the deal. They're becoming more equal over time. And, of course, I think that will continue to change over time because, as you know, Monique, he, okay, he, here's one thing I like to explain. Society cannot stay the same. It's not possible for society to stay the same because old people are dying off, new people are being born, and these people, people – children are not copies of their parents. They're not complete copies. They will be different and to the extent that they have a different brain, have different experiences. Their religion will be different. Their politics will be different. And their sexuality or lack thereof will be will be different too, and so society will continue to change, and so that's why, in a sense, we have to recognize well, let's not try to keep things the same, keep the status quo, because it's going to be disintegrated anyway. Instead, let's change for the better rather than worse, because we're always changing. Mhm. For the better. Yeah. Well, then I would have to agree with you on the alcohol uh, standpoint that you are uh, that you are suggesting to have it as medical alcohol yeah and it's kind of I mean you know to have it regulated in that sense yeah you know it's it's sort of interesting and even though it's not an opinion that I've really expressed ever before really with anyone it's just one of those inconsistencies I see and it's sort of like by what standard are some substances regulated and others not? Some are legal, some are illegal. And that's why I like to open up discussion for topics because otherwise it seems like people just appeal to authority or appeal to tradition. Like this is the way we've always done it or, oh, well, this is this is what the politicians say or, or this is what God says or whatever, so let's not – question anything and I think people need to ask questions because the only way for positive change is for people to think in new ways about things and that's what we're trying to do isn't Monique we're we are I'm in a sense we're trying to get people to consider celibacy and veganism because of all the benefits of these things absolutely I want to get more back on topic with that but before we close the medical license possibly for alcohol what about you know you're saying keep everything consistent the over-the-counter drugs that one would get Tylenol and things of that nature um, Pepto-Bismol um, you know are you are you suggesting that we have some sort of a medical prescription for all of these now because see this is where it starts getting uh well it would become quite tedious well, yeah. or maybe not yeah well, what's interesting about it monique is that i'm not exactly sure at this point because i don't have enough information to actually know what i'm advocating but mm -hmm. i want to get people asking these bigger questions at the moment because, see, what I fear is, as much as I would like to see some things regulated to a certain extent, at the same time, 
I have a problem because I'm always afraid that things will turn into a thing like, oh, you, you, can't, you can't buy vitamin C without a prescription or something crazy like that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. there, there are people, I've, I've heard there are people who want to make vitamin C a drug. And like, well, what's, what's a food? What's a drug? Who, who sets that standard? And it's a little bit tricky because I feel like, we, we need to go in one of two directions right now, Monique, and I'm not even sure which of these directions. One approach is to legalize things, remove restrictions, but increase education on people about what's safe and what isn't. That's one approach that I think some people might agree with. The other approach is to act, actually say, no, some things are too harmful. We will not allow them to be sold. That's the other approach, you know. So it's kind of tricky, and what will actually be best for people in the end, that I don't know the answer to. And remember, there's been many people who have advocated making most or all drugs legal so that there's less crime for people that are selling illegal drugs and coming in and the black market and you know, murders and such over drugs. Yeah. Um, I, I don't, in fact, I think one or more of the people that you do the free will show may have said this before. I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking of somebody else, but I think somebody may have advocated that. I don't remember. Uh, I don't know what to say on that. I mean, a free for all for all those harmful narcotics, that seems really dangerous. But at the same time, if there was some sort of regulation or whatnot, I, I gather it would put Ill, illegal uh, activity out of business, mostly. Yeah, that, that's, that's one argument that people have is that, is that by legalizing things, it actually reduces some of the black market crime-related stuff. And so I, I think that's an argument worth considering. But it's kind of interesting because it gets into... I mean, from an idealistic perspective, I have strong opinions, but when it comes to what will actually work with people, I'm not sure because, like, think about it, Monique. For example, how does does a government ban a religion? Like, how would that even work? You know, it's like – and see, when it comes to things like there are things that are harmful. There are drugs that are harmful, there are religions that are harmful, and of course sex is harmful. But for some reason, nobody talks about banning it, even though I, I think that would be a good idea. <laughs> well, now there's just people like, hey, let's, this isn't a good idea, let's stop doing this. <laughs> well, there there's people that feel it's their God-given right to have as many children as they want and... Sorry, let me repeat because there was a truck going by. Um, it's their God-given right to have as many children as they want, to have intercourse as much as they want. Um, you know, it's their freedom. Now, in in China, I think they still might have the one-child policy. Um, it's not their right to have more. In fact... There were instances where the government was coming in and aborting uh, babies if the person was on their second child. I heard something horrible in NPR some years ago 
where the government came in and forced an abortion on a woman that was nine months pregnant. Whoa. Yeah, I might have read something like that. Um, but anyway, I think that going back to our original topic on celibate marriages, I think it's very healthy and it's uh, and it's stable and it's it's warm like it could just be very loving and supportive you know if you're with the right person um so tell me more about your celibate marriage philosophy because some people would say well why even get married if you're not going to have intercourse and <laughs> I've heard this time and time again, but I feel the same way. There are so many more things to a marriage, including not having children, two yeah. people supporting one another, you know, maybe the same business, same interests, same morals. It's, uh, you know, the person, um, one person, you know, is protecting the other person. Um, if someone has to go to the hospital or something, you know, the other person is there. There's so much more. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I, Monique, I think there would be benefits to a marriage, even a celibate marriage, even that because the benefits that come along with, you know, a, a contract or an agreement of marriage, and when it's even even if it's legally represented where people know, well, this person is a partner to this person. So, yeah, like, the, the, it means that that person's a contact individual in an emergency, and these people can be, like, uh, well, I would say compadres in a sense. You know, they're close friends is what they are, because essentially, um, I, I thought of marriage years ago as well. It's kind of like a friendship. But I always wanted that without the sexual sexual stuff because that seemed like such a negative thing. Like it almost makes um, having sex a condition for that friendship. And so my question is, how do I get the good, the relationship, without the bad, the sex? <laughs> or, or I'm going to make a joke here. How do you get the good without having to have the good? <laughs> I mean, I didn't do it right. How do you... Uh, I think I missed your joke, Monique. Yeah, I, I miss it too. How do you get the goods without having to do the goods? That's what I meant. Do you understand? There's a slang. Okay. <laughs> I I think I, I I don't know. I think you lost me, Monique. Um, okay, never mind. Maybe for a different show. I'll have to work on it. Um. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but you get what I'm saying. It's almost like. People, they reluctantly, because they want love so much, they want friendship, they want someone who will be their their close friend for life, they want that, but it seems like often in order to get that, it's like they have to give in and have sex with that person as a conditional thing. So it's like a conditional love, basically. A conditional love where like, well, I love you and I'll be your friend, but only if you have sex with me regularly. And to me, that makes marriage the equivalent of rape, basically, because it's basically mm -hmm. a a weird situation where you're blackmailed into you have to have sex with me, or I'll just leave you and won't be your friend, and you'll be lonely, you know. And and so I feel like that's threatening. That's almost a violent form when you say, well, you know. So it's sort of like 
so let's say people are married, but at some point, let's say, okay, let's say people are married, but at some point something happens where a person, one of the spouses no longer desires sex. Well, then think about that. Well, what does that do? Will that other person stay with them or will they dump them because they want sex more than they care about the person? That's correct. I mean, and that goes for having children, too. There's people that have decided that they're not going to have children or maybe it wasn't clear or whatnot. Like there was just a relationship that formed and whatnot. And then if the person, if one of them doesn't want to have children, a lot of times the other party leaves or it's the sore spot of the relationship for, you know, a lengthy duration of time. In this case though, I mean, I, it's a shame that that happens, but what's different in this case is it's not because, you know, one person wants a family, the other person doesn't. And that's, there is kind of a disparity for that, but I still, it's like, you don't love me for who I am. Like I have to produce more human beings in order for you to love me. There's like, there's that kind of correlation that I'm making with what you're saying. Like you don't love me for who I am. Like I have to give you intercourse in order for you to stay with me. It's kind of like that. Well, yeah, Monique, here's the deal. This is a perfect comparison. I think you'll get this. It's like a chicken. It's like people view the chickens only as value to them as long as they're laying eggs. Only as long as those hens are laying eggs and they can sell the eggs and make money do they care about the chicken. But if the chicken no longer lays eggs, they just slaughter it because they don't value that chicken for the person that it is. Yeah, I think that that's a really great comparison. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think the comparison is a fair one because people have done this where – they say, oh, well, you're, you have black skin. Well, your life doesn't matter. Or you're a Jew. Your life doesn't matter. Or or you're a woman. Your life doesn't matter. Or you're a chicken, sheep, cow, goat, whatever. Your life doesn't matter because in their minds, they have this idea that they are more important than some other life form, some other animal there. And they will selfishly use and abuse that other animal. And then when they're no, no, no use to them, they'll just get rid of them. And I feel like these men are treating women like this often. I'm sure it might happen in the reverse often, but it's it's it seems like more often than not, it's men just using women to to get sex, and then when women no, will no longer provide sex for that man, then he just dumps them, showing he never really loved her in the first place. He never cared about her as a person. That's right. That's happened to me in many relationships that I've had because I didn't want to do it. Um, they'd leave. Yeah, and think about so. Moni. As you know, people they talk about their rights and their freedom. Well, what about the freedom to not be blackmailed into uh, having sex with people you don't want to? What about the right to be celibate? Nobody talks about that, do they? No, they don't talk about the right to be celibate, and that's where the discrimination factor comes into play, and that's what our show is about. Exactly. Because there are so many benefits, as we continue to say, to being celibate, and you can express love. Now there's a plane go. 
Oh, by the way, sometimes this happens when I'm speaking the truth. There'll be like a loud sound that happens, like an affirmation. So we'll say that that plane was the affirmation. Um, there's many other ways that you can express love without having to go through this invasive biological, psychological um, act that um, I really feel was created for having children. Um, and as far as uh, the Bible is concerned, I'm, I'm unsure if we mentioned this before. I know that there's, there may be something in there that says you have to, you know, like please your partner or whatever, something like that. Um, but there must be something also in there that states that it's being used for procreation. Do you know, or could you find that out? Because to me, it makes sense that a couple who is married and is celibate of carnal, I mean, it has such like a, a hard edge to that word. It's so like, meaty carnal I you know I don't that's what that's what sex is it's carnal it's rough it's animalistic even if you're like doing it like well I would have to say in most cases it's going to be like animalistic I guess there's some cases where it could be very like gentle and whatnot but it always seems to me that it's just so carnal and I really don't feel that it was made for just um just like bonding and just like keeping like the um keeping the marriage like going like i i don't think that it is i i think that purity and love in other senses is more of a bonding aspect for two people on a spiritual basis that's my feeling not an invasive act yeah there's something about it there's just something how it doesn't help you get to know the person better, that's for sure. It's not, it's not, it's almost like it doesn't have any benefit whatsoever to a relationship to just do some biological act with somebody that seems to result in reproduction. And because, as you can tell, people who don't love each other at all are still having sex for years, and then they, they dump each other and ha or have a big nasty divorce, and the kids that are conceived are all hurt. And so I don't think sex even brings benefits to a relationship. It just seems like, like you said, some carnal act or whatever. So let's get back to the religious aspect. So do you know of anything um, that says that it's good for the marriage and you should be doing that? Like on an actual, literal biblical level do you know anything like that because our topic here is celibate marriages and abstinence only so where does that all follow into it why are they saying abstinence until marriage why well you know what's interesting about it monique is that i actually don't know of anything in the bible that comes close to the message that these christians are teaching in these churches they're teaching all this absence till marriage stuff, but I actually don't find that. In fact, I actually find some things that are a little bit contrary in the book of Matthew, which is the book in the New Testament that I've read the most, where Jesus mentioned about something about in, like in in heaven or whatever, people neither are, are neither married nor given in marriage, but are like the angels or something like that. 
And and there was another part about how like about, like this the disciples said something about well maybe it's better not to marry and and Jesus said not everyone can accept this statement except to those those whom it is given and he mentioned something about eunuchs something about how some how some people are are born eunuchs some are made eunuchs or whatever and what's interesting is I don't like to be thought of being a eunuch just because I want to remain celibate and I don't have like the desire to have to have intercourse. I don't like being called that whatsoever. No, I I, I'm not missing a body part, you no, know? No, see, I don't like that term either because it implies that you're actually missing something and that you're celibate because you like a body part. And I, and I don't like that. Rather, here's the way I view it, which is contrary, it's contrary to the biblical view. It's contrary to society's view. As I say, Monique, that other people, are lacking something that we have that we're able to see. We're able to see an an image of a, an idea of love that doesn't require sex, a, a type of love that can work without this condition that has some physical action as a condition for love. Absolutely. So I'm wondering, how did this come to be that both you and I have this, but so many people don't? I mean, I, 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 I sometimes self-analyze myself in where this came from. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I, there, there's a list of reasons where I could comment on why, but still I could give the same reasons, the same list of reasons to somebody else, and they still might not believe in celibacy. When you're married. And you know what's weird about it, Mo yeah, what's weird about it, Monique, is of course each person, there's such a complex thing about their life experiences and it's, it's often hard to convince people of something because their mindset for years has been shaped into one way and they're like Plato that's been hardened, you know, mm. and mm -hmm, so it's, hard mm -hmm. to, it's hard to reshape. And I've noticed that the younger people are, the easier it is for them to change because like often the longer someone's been a certain way, the harder it is for them to change. Their life is built upon their beliefs, their way of living. And so it's kind of interesting, Monique, because I think there's just a basic thing. Like, for example, Monique, you know how hard it is to get people to go vegan. You know how hard that is, right? <laughs> and, and My laugh says it all. Well, yeah, see, here's the deal. Then why is it so hard for people? Well, here's the deal is that a lot of people, they're so used to their way of eating things that they're used to eating that for them, it's like even though they are, they become aware later that it's hurting animals, it, the animals must be hurt and killed in order for them to eat their cheeseburger, they, they care more about what they're eating um, it that you might say their food desire is comparable to people's sexual desire. They have this desire that trumps all consideration of ethics, consideration for what's best for other living beings. So their desire is just too strong. And Monique, our desire in certain aspects ha is so low or non-existent, perhaps that we don't have a desire that overrules our empathy for the suffering that is caused by certain acts. Absolutely. And when it comes to meat, uh, I've gone both ways as far as the scent is concerned. 
many times if I smell a strong stench of meat, I will think of the Holocaust and how like gluttonous and um, really self-absorbed it is that people have to, you know, have this, you know, these, these restaurants making a lot of money off of dead carcasses and the people that patronize them. But every now and then, I don't know why, maybe just because of something from the past or whatnot, I'll get a whiff and I'll be like, I'll remember when or smells good for some reason, you know, once in a while, it's a rarity or I'll see something. And at that moment, I'm like, Monique, why did you, you know, why did you become a vegetarian? Well, vegetarian was the first thing. And I'll, and I'll, I'll go over that first instant where I thought about a cow being manipulated and killed and just thinking of its sound that it would make like, whoa, you know, and that'll go through my head and that'll completely eliminate any desire that I might have. Right. You know? Yeah. See, I'm the same way, Monique, because I'll tell you something. I really liked eating cheese pizzas. I really did years ago, (laughs) you know, but after I read and saw videos about what dairy cows go through, I thought no amount of pleasure my taste buds get from that is worth the pain and death that is involved to make that. It was not worth it. Whereas a psychopath, someone who doesn't really care about the, those cows or anybody else for that matter, the, all they are going by is what feels good to them to eat or what feels good like them to have sex with. They they are not caring about who they're affecting. And because we care about who we're affecting rather than our own pleasure. I mean, everyone likes pleasure to some extent. They like to feel good. But why do we have to do things that make others feel bad? Well, that and that comes down to the golden rule. Which is pretty much applicable. Yeah, the golden rule is common to all religions and cultures. It's it's known across the world. And yet how few how few people actually live by it. That's right. The only time that the golden rule doesn't work is do unto others as you would do unto them. Like what if I think, Oh no, I don't want to say me. What if what if somebody says, um, oh, I want to have sex, so do unto others as you would want to do unto you. See, if you plug that variable in, they might think that you want to have sex with them if you want to, if they want to have sex with you. And that's where that um, golden rule algebraically doesn't work, and there has to be some other um, rule to bypass those uh, um, those instances where it wouldn't work. But if you take it in like its purest sense, it's really meant to be like, you know, if if I want to, you know, be respected, then I will respect you. Like all my wishes, you know, you respect me, I respect you. If, you're, if your um, philosophy of respect is different from me, then it's still your persona and I need to respect that. Yeah. And that's really what the golden yeah. rule means. Yeah, and you know what, Monique, that's another discussion we're going to have to have in a future episode about the golden rule and where sometimes it may fail and why we need a better rule in that case. Mhm. I think there's something called a silver rule. I'm not uh sure about it.
Well, do you want to end the show or is there more? I mean, I think that there's more to, we, we really went off topic and we didn't really talk about the abstinence education so much. And I, and I think we need to get back to that because that, that's been something that has been told to me again and again. And as you were saying yesterday with the preachers, like stressing, like no sex till marriage, it's, it's almost like, what, what's your, what's your deal? Like, are you so haunted by, um, you know, sexual gratification that you have to keep preaching it? Like, I kind of wonder that sometimes. Yeah, you know what? We may we may have to end this recording, but then start a new one that's a part two of that discussion because there's so much to talk about. Okay, well let's do it because I really don't like the fact, as you're saying, that they keep preaching it, preaching it, preaching it. But it's it's almost like, I mean, what do you think your congregation is like? Are they like a bunch of heathens or something? I, I mean, I, I don't. Do they? Re- it's 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 just um what what's the word it's um it's uh degrading it almost seems like degrading in some aspects yeah even if they are trying to help you yeah you know what i'm saying but yeah um so we need to close out this episode um but then we'll start a new one and continue because with this discussion there's a lot more that needs to be said okay very good all right so we're going to sign off on this radio show so that we can uh, go to a different episode and continue the discussion of celibate marriages as opposed to abstinence until marriage and uh, what all the controversy is about. Yeah, well said, Monique. And thank you for listening to this 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 episode of our topic, and we're going to continue to the next one. Thank you for listening, and goodbye. <laughs>